Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Each week, we hear real-time stories from athletes and CEOs on how to maximize performance through an endurance mindset. Let's get started. Well, welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Today's guest was born with an endurance mindset. Since a young age, participated in many types of sports and athletic activities. During the Marine Corps Marathon, she felt something was wrong and later found out that she had brain cancer that changed her life forever. Special Event Coordinator at the U.S. Government, Beth N. Telford, please welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk a little bit about my journey and hopefully be able to spark some enthusiasm in some other people out there. Wonderful. Well, let's jump right in. My favorite question to ask my guest, Beth Ann, is tell me about how your endurance mindset has impacted your life unexpectedly. Well, I've always been um, an endurance athlete, Greg, and you know, through high school and afterwards, I I played field hockey, soccer, always a, a group endurance activity. But when I got hit with uh, brain cancer uh, several years ago, I thought that oh, this is it. You know, I'm going to sit down and. Uh, call it quits for myself and and not go forward i i thought no there's other ways to tackle this cancer and it was only because of my neurosurgeon that i was able to pick up uh a bike and pick up my running shoes and start going forward and doing very intense endurance um, competitions, mostly solo, except I never felt like I was solo on these journeys. And we can talk about that going forward. But, um, you know, when you do an Ironman, it is with a big group of people. But my support system and the reason why I wanted to do it was not about Beth Ann Telford. It was about my my journey with cancer. But all those that supported me and all those that I fought for. Very well said. And we will dive into that for sure. Um, Cause it is a team effort when we're doing these endurance races. Um, Bethany, let's talk about, you know, I mentioned in the intro, the Marine Corps marathon, something just didn't feel right. Walk us through that day. Tell us what, what went on. Yeah, I was, and, and had been training and had done several Marine Corps marathons. And it happened to be the hottest Marine Corps marathon on record to date and still is. In that year, Haynes Point was towards the end of the Marine Corps. Now they've stuck it in between. I think it's mile 13 now. It was mile 18, 19. And I thought I had um, heat stroke. I was uh, dehydrated. That's what I thought. But I remember exactly where I, I was. And I looked up, felt a huge pop in my head. And my gait, which is how you run, was going back and forth almost like I was uh, drunk. And I was bumping into people. And I thought, well, you know, if I could just make it to the next um, aid station, I could get some, some Gatorade water and power up. And I got there and 
nothing helped me. But I ended up finishing that marathon, not not in a good time, but finishing it. So the next day, Marine Corps Marathon always falls on the last Sunday of October. And the next day was a Monday, of course, and I went to work and I was working in a in an agency where, you know, you had historical pieces of furniture that had been in place for many years. And I was running into it. I was forgetting about meetings, important telephone messages, things that were of critical uh, importance to my job, which I had done and successfully done uh, previously. Got on the metro, and instead of going to Northern Virginia, I ended up in the other side of uh, Maryland. Had no idea. Um, Everything was just a big swampy mess up in my brain. So thankfully, the the gentleman that I worked for, who was the public printer of the United States at that time, uh, him and his wife uh, more or less said, look, you, you need to go get checked out. Something's going on. And I went to GW Hospital, had an MRI. And several days later, and you're you're talking, you know, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, the doctor called me himself and said, you need to come in. And I said to the doctor, you know, I, I can't come in. I got this going on, this going on, heavy workload. Finally got him to tell me what was going on. And he said, well, we detected a mass in your MRI. And I was like, mass, what do you mean mass? He goes, a brain tumor. And again, going back, 15, 16, 17 years ago, you didn't know or you didn't hear about these things. And I was like, what, what is that brain tumor? And he's like, well, we need to talk. So you need to come in. So I went in and I talked to my boss and he's like, get out of here. And from that day forward, his wife picked up and really took control of my medical situation. We went and visited several facilities to see who would operate because the tumor is located by the optic nerve. So several didn't want to even uh, get to that in the major blood vessel to the brain really was their concern. Ended up um, after seeing several physicians and neurosurgeons throughout the United States, ended up at John Hopkins and very happy to say Dr. Henry Brem was the man that operated on me and to this day, you know, is my uh, surgeon and good friend along with his team. And I've had uh, several brain surgeries since then, Um, but that's what led it. Running really uh, brought me to my knees. And after that, I have not missed a Marine Corps marathon, except for the one year that it was, you know, delayed for COVID. Um, since then, and have run them, um, and that is my race. It is a hometown race. It's a great race, even if you're thinking of a of a marathon to do. It is a tough one to qualify on, but just great as far as uh, spectators and the military and our great service members it being a part of that. 
Absolutely. It is one of my favorite. I've run Marine Corps once. My wife is currently training for it for this year. Okay. So we'll see, we'll see you out there. Yeah. And when we were, we were living in the city, we were down on Capitol Hill and every year we'd walk out and just high-fiving. It's a, it's a fantastic race. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then I'm curious, was there any scientific relationship between the run that day and the discovery? Like did something scientifically change because of the endurance event that you were in that kind of brought the cancer to light? You know, I am not aware of that, no. But I would say that the heat probably, and I was one of those runners that I could go a whole marathon without eating or doing a, what they call a goose shot or um, anything like that. I hardly did any water. Um, but, you know, that's old school training. But I since have changed my method to be able to finish stronger and healthier. But there there could have been because it was so hot and uh, I was on the verge. I mean, they did give me IVs and everything. And I do have a problem with that. So, yeah, I would say. But I've never looked into it 100%. Certainly. So then let's talk about getting back into sport. You know, obviously you went through your, your initial surgeries. You're in recovery. When did you start putting the shoes back on, getting on the bike? And talk to us about the sort of the endurance mindset that it takes to do that. Well, that's a great um great segue into this. So I had the surgery. Um, we didn't know what to expect until they actually did the cut from ear to ear. Um, usually sometimes you can go up through the nose, but I had to have a full craniotomy. And um, we didn't know what to expect, obviously. Got in there. Uh, he was able to remove a good portion of it, um, but around the major blood vessel to the brain. So I had to learn to walk again, talk in complete sentences. I still to this day stutter and I have memory loss. Um, I was seizuring a lot. So there was a lot of uh, complications from the surgery itself when you open the brain up. Um, so a few months after my first surgery, April the 12th in 2005, um, I was back home in Pennsylvania with my parents. I had stayed there for after I came out of the hospital to rehab. And there was a 5K in my hometown of Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. And um, I wanted the family to walk that with me. So I thought, you know, I would, I'll walk this, you know. So we all started out walking and my mom is like, you know, pointing the finger and saying, don't even think about running. Don't think about running. So, you know, it really wasn't in my, in my mindset as we took off for the 5k. So I'm there, I have two older sisters with their families and my mom and my dad. And we start walking this 5k, you know, and I'm bandana, no hair. You know, I did have my running shoes on and running gear. So we got about, um, halfway through the 5k. And I heard my father. Now, I wasn't paying attention, but my father went and he went the back way through the 5K so that he would meet up with us. 
So my father was always my biggest supporter, my hero, my best friend. And all of a sudden, I heard my father yelling like he did when I was in high school and college, you know, pick it up, you know, go after him, go get him. I heard my father say, Beth, pick it up, run, run. Those were my first steps back into running and doing an Ironman, all because of my father and at that 5K. So I was running several months after my full brain surgery only because of my father knowing what I needed to hear. And that brought it all back to me, all back. Now, of course, my mothers and sisters were yelling at me to, you know, walk. I mean, again, my gait was like this, but I ran not fast at all. And I finished that 5K running only because of my father. That's awesome. Well, so let's talk about the support crew that we have as endurance athletes um, as we tackle marathons, because it is a solo event, right? You're at yeah. the starting line by yourself and you're the one putting the shoes on and you're the one suffering for 26.2 miles. But it, but re reality is there's a team behind you. Talk to us about your team. You, you touched on your family a little bit. Who else do you have in your in your circle? So my family, of course, is my biggest supporter, especially uh, my mother and father. But I have a trainer who is uh, my best friend, uh, John. And John trains me. He's a heck of a runner. Swimming uh, and biking, he's extraordinary. And he, uh, he really read my body, let's say, as a trainer and was able to train me. Now, I've had other trainers uh, train me for to go around the world and and things like that on all aspects of nutrition and that. But John has been my biggest trainer. But on top of that, he commingled with my family and my better half Bob in on the sidelines. You know we're my biggest rooters. Or the night before when you're all panicked and. Like, I don't know if I can do this or, you know, I hope that race is canceled or it's raining and I can get out of this. You know, they're the ones that say, look, you've come this far. You've done chemo. You've done this. You've done that. You can do this. I remember, too, when I did the Ironman World Championships in Kona, I had gone out for a swim. And I always heard that in salt water, you would swim better because you float. Well, I go out there to do the swim portion and I'm out there with a dear friend who came along to celebrate her birthday yeah. and to celebrate me, who was a supporter because her sister had a brain tumor as well. And that's how we um, met. She took me on the swim and we're out in Kona in the middle of the water. And I am just in tears. This is the day before the race. I'm like, I can't do this. I am done. I'm not doing this. I have nothing to prove because I couldn't swim. I was having such a hard time, such a hard time. Well, she just laid into me and, you know, that's all I needed was that little kick in the butt from someone that I would have never thought of being out in the middle of the water in Hawaii telling me 
So it comes from all aspects, from a trainer, from family to friends, to even that person that has been a mile from the finish line saying to me or me giving back to another person saying, look, you got this. I'll run in with you. Don't worry. You got this. Running with someone, maybe they're not as fast as you, but it's their accomplishments that give you that great feeling that, oh my God, I helped someone do this. So I've had several of those people um, that have helped me because they wanted to see me succeed no matter if it was going to throw their time off. And um, I'm sure you've had that or you've done it for someone. But it's amazing when you see people, you know, just a mile or two yeah. back from completing a marathon, Ironman or whatever, and they're really struggling. Um, and you've seen it where people have carried people across the finish line. The people carrying or talking to those people are the ones that get the better feeling out of completing that than the person themselves, you know? That's exactly right. Absolutely. And there's so many stories that are just coming to mind. Uh, then I'm curious, those lessons that you've learned from, you know, walking up to something difficult, telling yourself you couldn't do it or you shouldn't do it or hoping that it's going to rain or maybe the swim's canceled or something, and then pushing either yourself or being pushed through the accomplishment, that experience, how else does that apply to your life? How have you looked taking those lessons in other aspects of your life? Well, I think it has worked well with me when, um, you know, with work, sometimes, you know, you don't want to do this, you don't want to do that. And you're like, wow, you know, this is a team effort. Um, especially um, in communications, which I do in events. And I see that putting on, uh, let's, let's just say, my biggest event is Veterans Day. I love that. I, I love the veterans. Um, and giving back. I never served our country. If I had to do it all over again, I would have done that, uh, been in the Marines. Um, but giving back to our our service members has been huge. And I try every year to do something um, for veterans that help me give back to our country. I help out down at the Vietnam Wall um, in my everyday life. I do a lot at Arlington National Cemetery. Um, also with, with my friends that want to get started in uh, something, doing a 5K or something, girls on the run. You know, I think it has impacted me and also given me the ability with my cancer to see and advocate. And this is my biggest accomplishment for children, pediatric kids, um, to fight for them. And the reason why I did this, and this is going back to when I wanted to really give up, and Dr. Brem walked me through the pediatric ward and said, a lot of these kids aren't going to get out of here. And I didn't understand what he meant. He said, they're not going home. And after questioning more, I knew what it was. These kids had cancer, and the majority of them weren't going home with their parents, their next step was their next journey 
to the afterlife, whatever that is for that child. And I, I, you know, I, I was like, whoa, this is, this is not cool. Here I am an adult and these kids have never done, you know, never driven, never had their first date, never got a speeding ticket, you know, never, you know, were fired from a job or had to decide which job to take or stay in the community. So I started advocating for these kids, mostly children with brain cancer, but then doing so on the Hill and through um, the Brain Tumor Society and Accelerate Brain Cancer Cure, found out that children were getting so much less than an adult with brain cancer. Now today, I don't know the statistics as I, I did well before COVID, but it was like adults were getting, you know, 40% of government funds and a child was getting like 7%. Now you're talking, that's historically terrible, um, especially when the kids are our future. So that's when I really, really did pull up my bootstraps and, and get started in advocating for children. And a lot of people were like, you know, what, what about you? And it's like, gosh, I've lived. When I was diagnosed, I was 35. These kids are, you know, 5, 10, 15. And I grew these relationships with these children now that are starting college. I just received in the mail when I got home yesterday a save the date for one of the kids that had brain cancer is now getting married. And, um... You know, these kids have become my family, my family's family. Um, they all know them. My parents just wrap their arms around them. In fact, my father was reading the local paper and found my bestest, I call her, through a newspaper article in our hometown paper that her uh, school had brought in hats to cover her head from the loss of hair. Right. And my father said, Bess, you, you've got to meet her when you're home. Well, I did. And it was immediately, uh, we fell in love with each other. Um, I helped her family. Um, and I helped her. And next year, she goes off to college. And, you know, to me, that has been, wow, I've helped her fight. And in turn, she has helped me be a better person as an adult to fight for her. And this child is, um, out of all of them, I, I love each one, but she's been special because of her faith journey. And she helps me in that. And she just has this great outlook on life with everything she's been through, the multiple brain surgeries and every three months an MRI and the unknown and the weight gain, the weight loss the hair loss, you know, so it's just amazing how these kids have sparked me um, to be a better person and to, you know, pick up the bike and pick up my shoes and try to raise money to fight for them. It's so well said. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons I raised and my older brother's mentally handicapped and mm -hmm. can't do many of the luxuries that I can. Back to yeah. your point about driving or writing a letter or going out on a date. Yeah. And it's that gratitude 
that gets me to the starting line. It's that gratitude that gets me out of bed every morning. It's like, you know what? I've got all these tools. I'm so fortunate. How can I go out there and be better? And what you're doing is amazing. Tell the audience um, a, a little bit more about how they can advocate for these same children. Because again, the awareness isn't out there as much as it should be. If there's an audience member listening who wants to participate or support or to get involved, what's, the, what's an avenue for them to go down? Well, I say that if, if it's in your heart and you fully feel that, that you should pick a, uh, a cause, you know, be it alcoholism, you know, ALS, uh, uh, the Olympics, the Special Olympics, or like myself, the brain tumor community, the best way to go is through the National Brain Tumor Society. And they, and I'll use them as a um, example, they tend to have these big um, nonprofits, an area on their website for events, and you are able to use your athletic ability to run a marathon, do an Ironman, and they support you as long as you raise so much money. Mm. But for myself, you know, doing it, I wasn't really, cons yes, I did want to raise the money because I wanted to raise awareness. But it was everyone that I took along that journey because it was in my heart. Um, and, you know, a couple of times I've raced for Alzheimer's to help my father or dementia or Lou bodies, you know, they have all these. So whatever's in your heart, maybe it's not brain tumors. Um, but pediatric brain tumors is my platform. And that's, you know, where I got started was the National Brain Tumor Society and then Accelerate Brain Cancer Cure. But they have since now gone to another platform. So it's all the National Brain Tumor Society. But again, I can't stress if it's in your heart, you have a friend that's suffering from something quietly or, and you want to do something, there is just so many outlets out there to do it in a good way. And the ability to do that, um, I think in the long run, it makes you feel good about yourself that you're doing, giving back um, mm -hmm. quietly or in a big platform like myself where I did a huge shout out for the Ironman World Championships and then going around the world. That's such a great point. Um, especially as we can, you know, we, we're doing our training, we're getting through our work day. Um, you know, having that second thought of, you know what, what all this effort that I'm doing, if I just communicated it a little bit and, and put it towards a purpose, like the Challenge Athletes Foundation, the brain, cancer like you name it it gives you a, a different feeling for because i've raised money for caf um mm -hmm. but it gives you a different feeling at the starting line right it's not that you're just doing this for yourself you're doing this because you're fundraising and you're contributing back to the community but then mm -hmm. i'm also curious about what do you do outside of training in marathons and tell us a little bit more about yourself well <laughs> I come from Pennsylvania, Harrisburg. Um, I love it there. I love the country. I still have a home there. My family's back there. Um, I I love doing things. I I love going on vacations, but I love coming back and just being quiet too. In 
in my downtime, I do, um, I don't, you know, <laughs> it's a gamut of things. I help with the, the church with weddings. I, I do that to give back. Uh, I do, I love thrifting, believe it or not. Uh, that's something, um, I enjoy. Um, but mostly, you know, I think it is, uh, family and, uh, I do have a dog. I've always had a dog and that is my child. And I, I just love, you know, going, being outdoors is my big thing. Like I love walking the dog and, um, I, that's a, you know, good question. Cause every day I work out, I mean, I worked out this morning and I've changed up my workouts, uh, to accommodate me getting older. And, um, I love friends and always looking forward to the weekend and Saturday mornings when I work out with some young girls here in the city and, um, they try to ruin me on a run and the Lincoln <laughs> stairs, but, um, generally it's that, um, I did you know, I, I lost my father, so I have been struggling with that. Grief is uh, is serious. And although I've been around a lot of grief with losing these people and dear friends and a family member to brain tumors, my cousin died. Um, so it is related family gender. Um, I, I do know that. And um, I never had the grief of losing a loved one so very very close to me and someone that was my hero that uh kept me going and and i think the loss of my father was worse than me finding out i had cancer or, or battling it because i lost my biggest advocate and biggest uh biggest hero and i'll never have that again and i can't stress how important it is one to have someone to look up to not always like someone like uh, Lance Armstrong or, you know, Hussein Bolt. But um, I was lucky to have a father that I look up to. And he was just a blue collar working man, a traveling salesman. And, but he was always there. He never missed one of my high school games. Always yelling at me as far as good yelling, like, you know. He always wanted me to fight the girls on the field hockey field. And he always, uh, you know, he he just was someone that I knew without saying that he loved me. He wasn't a man of many words. I just knew he did. And I remember walking the morning of the Ironman World Championships, and it's dark. And he, he was the last one to put me in the chute. And I said, Dad, are you proud of me? And he said, Beth, you know, who's more proud of you is your grandfather, his father, who was very tough on me. And he says, you know what? I've always been proud of you and I'm never going to be, you know, never stop being proud of you. And that's all I needed. And I saw him and he never moved from the area in Hawaii that he was in <laughs> watching me and waiting for me. But he said to me, and they had him at the finish line. He said, did you stop and do your makeup before you came across the finish line? He says, you look so good. He goes, I can't believe you've been out there for, you know, 12, 15 hours. So the loss of him, of course, you know, uh, 
when you have someone that you look up to and admire so much, um, grief is hard. And if you're still struggling like myself or you have lost someone to a disease, you know, um, try to, you know, channel that into maybe a workout or giving back to the community, feeding the hungry or, you know, helping the sick. Try to funnel that back because in the long run, it makes you feel better. And I, I know what I'm doing now. My dad is still proud of me. Um, do I wish I could hear him? Yeah. Um, but that's not going to happen again. I've got a, a vision of him in my brain right now for some reason. And I have no idea what he looks like, but what a remarkable human being and a powerful story. And you're absolutely right about these negative feelings and grief and, you know, just those, we need to be channeling those either into our workouts, into the community and, and not letting it just fester inside our bodies. Um, but audience member wants to get in touch with you. How, what's the best way for an audience member to get in touch with you? Yes. By my email, which is team T E A M B as in boy T is in Telford at verizon.net. That's the best way. Um, I do have a website, uh, www.teambt. Um, that is another way, but the best way is email, and I'd love to help out in any way I can. Again, um, the joy of giving back to me is more rewarding than receiving. I'm not, I'm not a receiver. I'm a giver. So um, that is is my way of uh, showing that. I do love things and uh, I love doing things for others. And that's the best way I can do it. Fantastic. And we'll put those links in our show notes. Um, Beth, I've loved this conversation. I could go on for hours and hours about things that we're grateful for, dealing with grief, um, that feeling of just not wanting to do it. Like you just want to stop. And then that ultimate push, wherever it comes from, it could be internal it could be your spouse it could be your kids it's you know we all have those uh those little triggers um the work that you're doing is fantastic and thank you for your contribution to the community um to, to our audience members please share this show when you hear it to with your friends with your family into your community let's spread this message you know subscribe to the show please like it if you liked it beth it's been wonderful having you again your your message and your inspiration you filled my morning with gratitude and i really really appreciate it oh you're so welcome and i'm i hope that i can spark some energy and some other people too especially the way our country is right now we all need that extra spark absolutely and i look for hopefully i'll see you in a few weeks while uh, you're running by me at marine corps <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not going to run by you if anything if i see you i'm going to run beside you and help you <laughs> Awesome. Thanks again. You're welcome, Greg. Thank you for tuning in to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. To hear more inspiring stories and strategies around the endurance mindset, be sure to subscribe below or visit us at chiefenduranceofficer.com. Until next time, keep pushing those limits.